Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. On third and three, they protect Brady. Scans the field and lets it fly. It's Evans. It's a touchdown. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstock, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there the cannons go. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. 20-10, your final score from New Orleans. As the Tampa Bay Buccaneers emerge victorious and improve their record to 2-0. Never a doubt. Huh? Bucks win. Welcome back to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast live on YouTube today. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. That was uh, that was certainly a football game, my friend. That was a brawl. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about the brawl that kind of may change this game um, because... There were some things that had happened prior to where this team looked dead in the water, but obviously we'll get into all of it. But I mean, nonetheless, uh, good to get a monkey off the back, finally get a a win, a regular season win in New Orleans. I guess the key is to wear white uh, white jerseys, Peter pants, because that seems to be the only combo they could beat them in. Uh, so it's been the in, winning in, in Tampa. In Tampa week 13 or whatever that is, that's what you should wear um, because you can't beat him in nothing else. So 2-0 and in that combination, uh, that'll work. Uh, so, uh, yeah, 2-0 and now, and it's nice to get a, a you know stranglehold on the division for now. Uh, the Panthers lost as well, so the Panthers are 0-2. The Falcons are playing the Rams right now, so uh, you know, I would assume the Rams will win that game, so Falcons probably dropped 0-2. So, uh, yeah, it was a good win, played – I don't think I don't know if they play. I guess you could say they play complimentary football, but they didn't. They weren't as sharp as they were last week for sure. And like I said, we'll get into all that. But nonetheless, uh, a win is a win, and it's going to show up in the stat column as two and zero. Yeah, after the first half of play, I mean, to be honest with you, it felt like the same situation we usually see. The offense, Tom Brady, even the run game, there weren't a lot of lanes. Uh, the Buccaneers were without a couple of pass catchers, and they ended the game without even more pass catchers. We'll get into that as well. Uh, but it felt like a slog for both of these teams. And, and obviously, that's where the defense comes into play. And we're going to open up the show and talk about the defensive side of the ball. Because holy turnover, man. I, I mean, the turning point of the game was that fight we had mentioned. Marshawn Lattimore getting chippy with Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette getting involved, and then Mike Evans came and got involved, flattened number 23, and uh, both of those guys are rejected. So after that point, the tension had been building. There's usually a boiling point, especially when they play in New Orleans. The crowd was loud. They were a factor for four quarters. But following Mike Evans and his ejection, I... I thought that was the tipping point in favor of New Orleans, because let's be honest, 
that's how it goes 90% of the time when these two teams play. And luckily, the Buccaneers defense has been stout, only allowing 13 points over the first two weeks of football. One of the biggest takeaways I have with this defense, especially after today's game, these guys are for real. Yeah, uh, it's it's impressive, especially what they were able to do against a a good uh, Saints offense, I think. And Sean in the chat said he's he's so glad that you lost twenty dollars. So I think it is Rhett, the happiest I think Rhett 20, is it, actually listen. Glad that it's you the lost happiest $20. bet I will ever pay in my life. As soon as we finish wrapping up this podcast, I'm gonna jump in my truck, go hit the ATM, and get out twenty dollars cash, a ten for my boss, and a ten for my buddy Warren. Listen, I'm going to be happy to see those guys on Tuesday because if $20 is the price that I have to pay to not only see the Buccaneers beat the Saints in the regular season, but to see Jameis Winston live up to his namesake. I mean, wasn't able to hit his guys on the deep ball. Once he finally does, Chris Olave at the end of the game kind of lets him down. He catches it. It's a fumble. Bucks come up with it. It was garbage time attempts anyways. But uh, for a lot of Saints fans watching, welcome to the Jameis Winston experience. And for a lot of Mr. Bucks Nation fans watching, we thank you for tuning in. Uh, 217 people in the chat right now, I believe. A lot of them are coming from Mr. Bucks Nation's channel. We appreciate it. All of our guys that are normally here, we appreciate you as well. Uh, yeah, and, you know, it was, to me, obviously, credit to Jameis one. Uh, four fractures in your back sounds incredibly painful. Uh, I would certainly not be able to move like that. So uh, the New Orleans Saints offensive line didn't do him any favors. This was a game that was uncharacteristic by New Orleans, especially against Tampa, to where they weren't able to protect the quarterback as well, and they weren't really able to pressure Tom Brady all that well. The Bucs offensive line held up. It, it, I, it really did. And coming into this game, we knew that Donovan Smith was going to be more of a game-time decision. A couple hours before kickoff, Todd Bowles confirms that he's out. So you roll into this with Josh Wells at left tackle, which a lot of people are already uneasy with. Well, he suffered an ankle injury, missed the rest of the game, and here comes Brandon Walton, a and third comes, string left here tackle. Comes Mr. Bucks Nation with a two hour super chat. Me and my crew are here, boys. Let's go. Shout out to our buddy James. But Brandon Walton, you got to give the guy his, his oh, flowers yeah, here. I mean, he really next man up mentality. And to be honest, you didn't hear anything about that side of the offensive line after he came into the game. Yeah, maybe they helped him out with some chips every now and again, but he held his own. And even though the Bucks offense wasn't as productive as we would have liked them to be, they still got the job done and didn't turn the ball over aside from the fumble early on in the game. Yeah, and the, the fumble was unfortunate. Um, is that 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 cost you points? You still need to be better in the red zone. Uh, that's you know you had two trips and uh, you, you couldn't convert one fumble than the the fourth down call, which was the right call to go for it, I think. Uh, but I, I think that it just needs to be executed better. And that's the product of a inexperienced offensive line still trying to find their way. So, um, yeah, but overall, uh, they, they played the offense. They didn't have the crippling mistakes. And, and that's what I was hoping they would avoid. They started to get those turnovers. And I was like, man, I was like, the one thing this offense can't do, though, is turn the ball over themselves. I said, if they take care of the football, they're going to be okay. The biggest thing we talked about on the game preview show is winning the turnover battle. The Bucks won it four to one. So if you win the turnover battle, you, a lot of times you're going to win the game. And the Bucks haven't been able to do that against the Orleans in the past, and today they did. So I think that's a big reason why, and that might be the only reason why, why they won this game. I mean, four turnovers, uh, including a pick six, that you know to take it and turn it into seven. That's massive. Uh, that is absolutely massive. So uh, that's a big deal. 
And uh, yeah, let's get get into the defense though. And uh, yeah, I thought, like I said, the pass rush was there. I'm still kind of a little concerned about the run defense uh, a little bit. Felt felt like Mark Ingram made a few more plays than I was comfortable with, especially uh, before the turnover they got deep in Saints territory. I mean, it looked like they were game too. It it looked like they were going to score right there. That changed the game. Yeah, that that might be a a really. Uh, one of them unsung plays that's not talked about a lot, but Logan Ryan popping that ball loose uh, and getting that fumble because the New Orleans was on the 10. That happened on the 10 yard line. So uh, that completely changed the game there. New Orleans scores a touchdown there. You know, they take the lead. I don't know if the Bucks are coming back from that. Uh, that crowd would have been amped. It, it would have been loud, but Logan Ryan changed the game there. So I think that's a play that you won't really talk about as much, but uh, it was definitely, definitely, you know, a big momentum shift there, but Mark Ingram, yeah, he, he ran a little bit. It just, it, it seems like, like I said, I think they're missing Jordan Whitehead. I do. And I think there's a little bit of an adjustment period with those new defensive backs with a guy like Akeem Hicks, who also left uh, the field with an injury. We don't have any update on him. Uh, don't have any update on Wells either yet. Um, so, I mean, with those guys, with Hicks being out with, with, you know, like I said, with the loss of Jordan Whitehead, Mark Ingram ran the ball 10 times for 60 yards. That's six yards average. That's horrible. You know, you're averaging six yards a carry. Um, I'm not sure why the saints didn't run the ball more, but I mean, one of these teams are going to like one of these teams are going to say, Hey, let's just try to run the ball and it could burn the box. And on that one drive before that fumble happened, it did. I mean, they were getting, it looked like they were exhausted. They were getting gashed. Well, we, we talked about the turning point of this game being the fight, but my personal opinion when I was watching it, I, I was so happy with the way the defense was able to stay consistent and continue just the neutralization of a lot of these offenses so far. I mean, through the first eight quarters of football, they only allowed one touchdown and a field goal. R- r- and, Thir- and the touchdown two field goals. right at the end. Right. A garbage time touchdown to Mike Thomas and two field goals. So 13 uh, points. Love, love Mike Thomas flexing down 11. <laughs> yeah, go off, King. <laughs> go, just go off. He, he's always been one of those me first kind of players. I think he just wanted to get one up on Carlton Davis. Those guys were going back and forth all day as well as we had talked about. But let's talk about some of the other playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. Now, six sacks on the day. For this box defense, I know we talked a lot about the pass rush wanting to get there. And while the run defense left a little bit to be desired, they were able to dial up the pressure and get after the quarterback when they needed to. We also saw Jameis Winston make a mistake. He's rolling out left, kind of went past the line of scrimmage. Shaq Barrett able to force the fumble. They don't come away with it, but just another example of how they were kind of able to hound the quarterback here. Devin White, seven tackles on the day. He gets a sack as well. So he continues his streak of getting after the quarterback. He's already in two weeks, almost halfway to the milestone that I had set for him. I said eight sacks on the season. You've got him hitting double digits, but another strong week for uh, Big D White. Yeah, and one of my predictions for uh, my BugsNation.com was that Devin White would get two sacks. I was a, one off, just one off. But, uh, yeah, Devin White, he really continues his his awesome play. Uh, there was a few times in the run defense that he got pushed back a little bit, but overall as a blitzer and, and his pass coverage has been really good. He had a sack. Uh, Antoine Winfield had a sack. Levante David had a sack. Shaq Barrett ended up with two sacks, a quiet two sacks, I think. Uh, one of them was sort of towards the end there. I think that's partially why. But And then Joe Tryon-Schwinka and Vita Vea combined for a half sack. So that makes a full one. Um, 
but yeah, the, the pass rush was consistent. It wasn't hounding Winston early on. No. Um, I, because I think sometimes with a pass rush, it takes a little bit. It, it takes some time to get your feet wet, get going, um, try to figure out what the offensive line's throwing at you. Are, are they going to be run heavy? Are they going to be pass heavy? If they're pass heavy, are they doing these quick hitters where, you know, it's going to be tough to get sacks? Are they holding the ball on long? We talk about how the Saints kind of coddle Jameis I don't think they did in this game. Um, they didn't let him go, you know, full scorched earth, but they let him throw the ball down the field and try and stretch the field. When it was time to play catch up, they let him do what he needed to do, which leaded or which led, excuse me, to the multiple interceptions to close out the game. Let's talk about some of those as well. Jamel Dean, two picks on the day. I believe he was one of your players to watch at the beginning of the year, having one hell of a season. He he was my breakout player. Yeah, he was the guy I took to to break out. I mean, yeah, I mean that's you know the the first play I won't even necessarily put on Jameis just because I think it's such a good play by Jamel Dean. It was just a fantastic catch. As we have a two dollar super chat from the Crazy Shank. Appreciate it. That's an awesome name. but I just think that was such a spectacular play. Um, he And he said, super chat for the Wendy's fund. So that tells us that you're an OG. So we appreciate you, crazy. Thank chat. you, pal. Um, yeah, I think it was just an awesome play by, by Jamel Dean. Uh, a great play. And that really changed things as well. But then the other one, yeah, this is a bad ball but by Jameis. But nice to see. Uh, finally get hands on those. And Winston, it seemed like once he threw one, it sort of started to all unravel. And that's the worry I have with him in New Orleans is when things are going fine. Okay. Like, I don't think Winston's going to make the backbreaking mistake if everything's going fine. But if one thing goes wrong, how does he react to that one thing going wrong? And to me, he didn't react very well. A lot of that was the Bucks defense forcing things. I thought Winston could have thrown two, two, maybe three more picks in this game. There were some close ones. Yeah. Devin White um, had a close call towards the end yeah. of the game. Yeah, he had a close one. Logan Ryan came zooming across the middle of the field on a call ball by Michael Thomas. Um, there, there were some close ones. He was trying to thread the needle, and obviously the, the Mike Edwards pick six was just a bad read, bad that, throw. That was the nail in the coffin. Yeah, I, I mean, you get a house call right when you need it from a guy who is no stranger of pick sixes, scoring himself two in a row last year against Atlanta in that yeah, game in Tampa. Three already. That, that is that's crazy. He has three pick sixes. Yeah, he might now, have like he might have like five career interceptions and three of them are pick sixes. Now I gotta tell you, we'll we'll talk about the offense here in a little bit, but this new and I say new defensive identity for Tampa Bay, it feels fresh. Like I know I know it's a lot of the same staff. A lot of your core is the same. But their effectiveness early on in the season, that's going to pay off later on. And I think we got to start to credit guys like Larry Foote, Todd Bowles for drawing things up the way that they have on the defensive side of the ball. The offense, they got bailed out today. Let's let's face it. They were not going to outscore New Orleans if the defense was not holding it down the way that they did. Our buddy Gene from Book What You Heard with a two-hour super chat, and I'm happy to see a defense stepping up. Absolutely. If the defense didn't step up, this game might have been a blowout because the Bucks' offense didn't really wake up till it would have been too late probably if the defense didn't play well. So the defense really kept them in this game, uh, put them in some nice field positions as well. Uh, the Bucks won the field position game for the most part in this game. Um, so – I think that's a credit to some of the pressure that they got on Winston, forced them into some, some second and long, some third and longs. Uh, it's it's weird, you know. They gave up three points, 
and it was on the opening drive again. So it seems like if you're going to really move the ball in this defense a lot, it's going to be early. So hopefully you can get that corrected uh, because you don't want, you know, you, you don't want every single opening drive to end in points, but um, yeah, the, the defense right now, is certainly on, on a hot streak, you know, and it's still early in the season. I don't know if you can call them, oh, the, you know, the best defense in the NFL, but, you know, right now they're looking like it. And uh, that's that's all that matters right now. I'd say this is the hottest start they have had during the uh, the Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, Todd Bros right. era, whatever you want to yeah, call start. it. Start. Yeah, yeah, definitely start. Uh, there's been times when they've been better, like during the season. But start wise, yeah, like this is the best that they've started. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've actually during the like the Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians era on defense, they've started relatively slow. Like and I think you're starting to see the reason why they're starting fast. This is Devin White's fourth year. You know, this is Carlton Davis's fifth year. This is Jamel Dean's fourth year. All these guys are in the same system now. You know, this is Vita Vea's uh, what, fifth year, I think. You know, all these guys are in the same system, and they're starting to buy into that system. They're starting to feel more comfortable, and the new pieces are stepping up. You know, Logan Ryan, you know, he had that forced fumble, uh, had a pass breakup as well. Um, you know, like I said, Akeem Hicks. Left with an injury, anybody join us right now, we don't have uh, any update on Akeem Hicks, so we'll, we'll see what how, how that transpires. Hopefully, it's not too bad. Hopefully, it's more of a precaution that they hold him out, not like he's like a serious injury. We'll see. Um, but then, like, you know, and Keanu Neal, uh, they all play roles, and I think, like, the new additions on this team – have paid dividends, but it's those core guys. It is the, those guys with the core, the Antoine Winfield, the Devin Whites. This is Antoine Winfield's third year. Like, people forget that, you know. Dude, dude's Antoine playing Winfield. like he's been in the league for seven and eight at this yeah, point. It's it, like he's it, in his prime. And it, it's hard to believe that's only his third year because at, at the same time, it feels like he was just drafted yesterday, but also it feels like he's been on the team for a while. Um, it's kind of like Brady, too, with me. I'm like, oh, this is only Brady's third year with the Bucks. So it feels like he's been there for much longer. Um, but like I said, the Devin White, Anton Winfield, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Vita Vea, these guys are in the same system. Even Jack Barrett, who was a free agent, but is now this is his fourth year in the same system. They're finally comfortable in that system, and they're finally comfortable in themselves. That's why I said I thought the defense was going to start off better than the offense. The offense is still trying to work in a lot of new pieces. You're seeing that, obviously. Um, but the defense right now is carrying the load. Can they do this forever? No, the offense is going to have to be better. The offense is going to have to become productive. But for now, this is defense getting the job done. And I think the offense will get better. Obviously, they have time. It's early in the season. They have a rough stretch of games. But the fact that they're already 2-0 and means that if worst possible case scenario, you drop these next two, we talked about how important it is to come out of this four-game stretch with at least two wins, right? It, it sets you up for success down the road. You've already played some of the tougher teams on your schedule. And you still have a lot of time to get prepared when you can face your toughest oppositions first. I think it's going to set you up with more offensive success in the long run. But let's give out some more roses here on defense before we talk about the other side of the ball. I just want to take a minute and appreciate number 24, Carlton Davis. I I think, honestly, that may have been one of the most underappreciated, underrated, not talked about enough signings, because if this team didn't have a number one corner playing the way that he is right now, especially with Sean Murphy bunting, not getting a whole lot of action these first two weeks of the season. Who knows what the secondary looks like right now? And they have really been uh, playing their part here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, I, I thought the secondary is pretty good today. They, they forced Winston to hold the ball. 
Um, there was a few times where I think Winston wanted to go deep and had to take the the flat because the the secondary was covering the guys. So, and this is against the in offense. Like I said, Michael Thomas back last week, man. And I mean, he was effective today. He caught a few balls, but like he didn't have the impact on today's game that he did last week. Jarvis Landry was almost a non-factor today. Like Jarvis Landry, I think caught two balls. Um, yeah, I, I don't like he barely did anything. And then Chris Olave, the biggest play that he'll be remembered for is the you know the fumble, which Carlton Davis getting beaten that situation can't happen uh, because you're trying to protect a lead. You're, you're, you know you can't let that deep ball happen. But that's really the only complaint I have about Carlton Davis's game today is is that play, and that may even be some of the, like the play calling. Uh, if you're going man to man there, I don't know why you wouldn't just go zone, play some prevent and stuff. But you know overall, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean uh, was you know very good. I don't want to think about it because it is early in the season. But what is going on with Sean Murphy bunting? I mean, the way that this defense has uh, has seemed to find a little bit more productivity in his absence, it cannot be a coincidence. I know the coaching staff sees it. What's going on with SMB? Because, I, I mean, if you are a fan of number 23, it doesn't look great in your camp all right now. No, it doesn't. Um, and as long as the defense is playing this way, it's hard to say you can put him back in the lineup. <laughs> Honestly, it, it, it's hard to see a, a way for him to get back in this lineup because Ansel Winfield's playing that nickel and he's playing that very well. Uh, the the basically the three safety look that the Bucks have on defense right now is playing very well, and you don't want to mess up a good thing. So the Bucks coaching staff may want to get a look at SMB at some point on the defense. I don't know if he played any defensive snaps tonight. Um, the snap counts obviously haven't come out, but. Uh, I, I don't I don't know, but it's hard to say, yeah, you know what? Yeah, this is working. But we're going to insert a different guy and see if that works. That's you don't want to mess that up. You know, if the defense starts to struggle, maybe you put him in as a, uh, you know, as, as as a spark plug, maybe. But you don't want to mess up a good thing. So, so I'm very one thing. <laughs> You know, it sucks for him, but as, as long as his defense is playing the way it is, I don't see a way he's going to get on the field, especially with this team looking for gunners, which the special teams, again, was very good today. By the time we record with Sean King later in the week, we're probably going to have a better idea of what's going on with Akeem Hicks. But let me ask you this before we transition as well. Depending on what that injury looks like, Akeem Hicks is no stranger to dealing with injuries. He missed the rest of the game after going down. Do you think the Bucks could see some motive to pick up the phone and, and maybe call a free agent D-tackle that may or may not still be available? Um, Seeing a couple people in chat bringing it up, so I wanted to get your two cents. Yeah, uh, maybe if the Hicks injury is like a long term thing, but like, I, I don't think there's a reason Sue's still out there. Like, yeah, there's a reason he's still on sign. There's there's teams that have showed interest in him, but they just they didn't really obviously sign him. I think the Raiders and the Browns were two teams that sort of had interest. But um, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think so. But if the if the Hicks injury is a long term thing, maybe it's something you consider because this is a win now you know season. So um, yeah, it's, I wouldn't expect it, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Maybe an alternative here, and and probably the more realistic option if Hicks is expected to miss some time. You see a little bit more of the rookie Logan Hall, who yeah. I would say has held his own over these first two weeks. He hasn't I blown the roof see off of the place. A ton of him today. Yeah, I didn't see um, a whole lot, but he did have the tackle in the backfield against Dallas Week One. More yeah. reps for him. I mean, could only be better at this point. What have you got to lose? You know what I mean? Throw the rookie out there, let him get his feet wet, and see if he can make some difference. But let's talk about the offensive side of the ball here for Tampa Bay. And uh, 
I don't want to say this is where the show gets a hell of a lot less fun, but it certainly isn't as excitable uh, when we talk about the turnover explosion from Tampa Bay on the defensive side of the ball. Tom Brady, let's talk about his day first. 18 for 34, 190 yards, one touchdown, no picks, but he did have the fumble on the botch snap with Robert Hainsey. I mean, Brady was very clearly frustrated in that first half. Another Microsoft Surface tablet is a victim against New Orleans. They'll probably find him for that. But, I mean, aside from that, I, I thought he was doing his best with what he had in that first half. Did he get frustrated? Yeah, he very clearly got frustrated. <laughs> Did you see the one time they were in the huddle and he's just looking at every single person? Yeah. And he's just screaming. At yeah. Them. I mean, there were no shortage of uh, obscenities down there on the field by TB12, but overall, he made the throws that he needed to, including a, a touchdown pass. Yeah, there was a huge clutch touchdown pass to Brashad Perryman, which really catapulted the Bucks forward. And he's lucky it was a touchdown pass because Russell Gage was wide open. There was nobody within 10 yards of Russell Gage, but Brady opted to throw the deep ball to Perryman. So he's lucky that it was a touchdown pass because Russell Gage, it would have been probably close to a 20-yard gain if you throw it at the Gage. So thank God that Perryman caught it and everything because that would have been disastrous. As far as I can remember, I think Brady only got sacked once today, and he kind of and fell it was, down. And it, yeah, it was a he tried to step up in the pocket, yeah. he tried to like almost run, and then he just went down. Yeah, the the Bucks offensive line protected him very well. I would say that's another reason why they won this game. Uh, not necessarily in the run game. The run game they got beat up a good bit, but um, which I mean they want to be a running football team, so that's not. I'm sure Todd Bowles won't be too happy about that, but uh, I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but. Yeah, as far as pass protection goes, yeah, this was this was way better than last week in Dallas, and they, they held their own against players who have given them fits over the years, so it was good to see. You talked about it on the pregame show, and uh, I, I saw exactly what you meant today. I think off the top of my head, there were only one or two snaps where number 41 was on was the field one. for a one. passing. Oh, no, it two, was, two, 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 there's yeah. two. There's one of them was two. play action. Yeah, and, and, one, the, and the other one was two of them. Yes. <laughs> So and he dropped and it. He, he dropped it. Yeah. So uh, with that being said, let's transition over to the offensive play calling before we talk about some other guys who were effective out there today. Definitely not the best showing for Byron Leftwich. It felt like a frustrating game for pretty much everybody on the sideline, Tom Brady included. Yeah. Um, so I had a tweet during the game. I said bowls ball in because that's what they always say. Like I, I know Peter Report said, like yeah, this is like bowls ball or whatever. I said like in quotes like bowls ball and I said it is coward ball and I said that after they let the clock run before the first half ended they let the clock run all the way down while having three timeouts they let the clock run all the way down and then they just they let the Saints punt and then they yeah I, I I didn't like that either yeah like I don't like this is a division opponent like you step on them like, you know, in the first half, I think you had 11 first downs and all 11 were runs. Like, what are we doing here? Like, you have Tom Brady on your team. Like, I understand you don't have to throw the ball 50 times, but give me a break. Like, enough is enough. And they made adjustments in the second half. They did. They threw the ball a lot more. And look, it worked. Like, like it, it, it worked. You're, you're just you're not a running football team. Like, don't try to be. And yes, I do know that there's going to be games where Brady's going to have to throw 300, 400 yards, three, four touchdowns. Like, I know. But like, come on, man. The running game wasn't working at all. 
Like you wonder why you didn't score any points in the first half. You were running it. You were in second and nine every single drive. 65 yards on 24 carries average of uh, 2.7 yards yeah, per terrible. carry for Leonard Fournette. That That's a Peyton Barber stat line. It, no, it, it, absolutely terrible. Yeah. Wasn't a great day running the football. One carry for Scotty Miller on the end around. He got eight yards and a first down, I believe. Two carries and one yard for Rashad White. So safe to say the running game was not a factor today. Obviously, the defense stepping up and forcing turnovers is what helped propel the Bucks forward. A big touchdown to Rashad Perryman in the air. But you really didn't see the Buccaneers offense consistently move the ball until they started to trust Tom Brady throwing the football a little bit more. And I know that they were completely diminished of pass catchers. Scotty Miller had a couple of really bad drops to start this one out. He made up for it later on in the game, had a couple of snags. But like, realistically, man, it it just it was not a great day on offense for Tampa Bay. And I'll tell you that my opinion on them running the clock down at the end of the first half, they had three timeouts. Yeah, they you know had what I mean. Three, you they you didn't burn use a single timeout. You burn a timeout there with over a minute left on the clock, and you're telling me you do not t- trust Tom Brady to get you into at least field goal range with over a minute and two timeouts. I didn't like that at all, and that had told me that they had checked out on the offense scoring a touchdown at least for the first half. I, I it, didn't like that. They, yeah, the, yeah, it told me they checked out on the offense doing anything. Like they're playing scared. Like that was playing scared. Like that was playing like oh, you thought a turnover or something was going to happen, and the Saints were going to get the ball back. Because the alternative for the Saints was either punt the ball or take the fifty-six yard field goal. Fifty-six yard field goal. Will Lutz is really good, but a fifty-six yard field goal is a fifty-six yard field goal. That's difficult. So like. If they if you take the timeout with like a minute left, let's say they decide to kick the field goal. If they miss the field goal, you're almost at midfield with two timeouts. Like, why are we letting the clock run all the way down and not even calling a timeout? To me, that like you said, it felt like they were scared. They just wanted to get the halftime and get it over with. And then something clicked in, in the second half, and it was because they threw the ball more. Uh, you know, it's not rocket science. And yeah, it sucks that you know they were really depleted at the wide receiver position. But shout out to Brashad Perryman. Shout out to Scotty Miller uh, for making the plays that they needed to make. I thought Russell Gage was okay. Like I said, he was wide open on that one. Brady just you know just not to not to hit him um he was okay he was a little quiet in the second half but in the first half he was like their only option really but like yeah this whole like trying to play defense and complimentary football it can work but it's not gonna work every week like these off like you think this is gonna work against Patrick Holmes like that Chiefs offense looks almost unstoppable right now like no you're gonna have to step on their throats the re- one of the reasons the Chargers didn't win that game is because they didn't step on their throats so like you can't play scared, and obviously a win is a win, and you're happy they're two and zero. But there, there's some things on this offense that are not right right now, and yeah, not having Julio hurt, not having Godwin hurt, Donovan Smith, you know, it it hurts, and then you know later on, um, not having Mike Evans, but uh, you know it's it's just not not the game plan that that you you want. If the running game, if they, you come out of the gate and the running game is working, whatever, stick to it. If it's not, though, you got to have the, the awareness to get away from it. You got to try something different. And they didn't in the first half. And, and that's why they didn't have any points in the first half. I wasn't a big fan of uh, some of the offensive play calling and third and long situations. It would be third and 10, third and 11. Screen, and screen, it'd be a screen pass to a wide screen, receiver. Yeah. And I just I give I, I don't understand. Up. Yeah, it's a give up. Yeah, it, it really felt like a cop out there just trying to get off of the field and set up some better field position for the punt. But I mean, it is what it is. They got the job done. Another thing that I think we're going to gripe about here for a minute, and then we'll talk about some real spicy stuff. 
I know we want to talk about the officiating. I know Sean Hockley and his team is hot garbage. If you guys remember this officiating crew, they were the same one there uh, for the Buccaneers' final game of the 2021 season, that divisional round loss to L.A. Even Hockley and Brady were getting lippy with each other. You cannot convince me any way possible that Sean Hockley does not have money riding against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers every time they play. But it's hard for me to be mad about how terrible the officiating was when the Bucs were as undisciplined as they were in that first half and even a little bit of the third quarter. I, I thought some of that stuff was was absolutely unacceptable, and it looked like week one football out there for a little while. Yeah, it was a little sloppy. I think on both sides. Um, you know, the Saints having 12 men in a huddle on the punt. That can't ever happen. If you're gonna if you're gonna have a a a penalty on the punt, it better be you better jump, you better hold, you better do something. But yeah, they have twelve men in the huddle. Um, and then yeah, obviously some some questionable calls, some non calls. Uh, <laughs> the entire fight started with a non call, which we'll get into obviously. But the entire fight, the entire reason, the, that, the refs are the reason for that fight. The refs are the reason for that fight. That's the whole reason Tom Brady threw it over there. I am one hundred percent convinced because Tom has done that before. We've talked about him doing that before. There were a couple of times today where I felt like he was just throwing the football to get the referees to look over there at the manhandling that was happening from the defensive opposition. There was a lot of uncalled pass yeah. interference on Literally. both sides of the ball. Listen, yeah. there's probably going to be some Saints fans in our live chat because there were some calls that I was like, yeah, 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 there were some tic tac calls. But for the most part, I mean, this was some of the worst officiating I have seen. And I've watched a lot of games this season like this. You this watched was, a lot of games in two weeks of football. Yes, I have. Yeah, okay, all, right? all right. NFL red zone is a beautiful thing. But yeah, it was god awful out there today. The, the Keanu Neal thing, I. I just I don't know what is that referee seeing? Like what is he seeing? Like I I don't understand. How is Keanu Neal supposed to stop? Like how is he supposed to stop? And then later on the Chris Olave thing, same thing though against Levante David. Like, how are you supposed to prevent that? Like it it's garbage. Like that is complete garbage. Um, I, I don't know how you're supposed to prevent that. It's football. Like that's gonna happen. Why are you penalizing? And luckily for for the Bucks, I don't think the the Saints scored any points on either of those drives. But like the Keanu Neal one, that was on third down. That that that, that was a sack that allowed a third down to become a first down. And luckily the Bucks defense held strong there. But that could have changed the game too. You know, you're talking about that could have turned into points for New Orleans instead of them punting. And that changed the the that changed the field goal. Um, but you know, and like I said, is there bad calls on both sides? Yeah, the the Cameron Bright one uh, on Bradley Roby was a little, eh, you know, uh, I don't know if you needed to call that one. Um, and there was a, there was a few you know, pass interferences here and there, but that's all at the at the discretion. But yeah, that that's um that that non pass interference call was the reason for the fight. It's very funny. It's just, it's very funny. If they would have called that, there's no reason for Brady to to complain, and then there's no reason for Marshawn Lattimore to taunt Brady, and then there's no reason for Mike Evans to go over there and hit Marshawn Lattimore. So <laughs> the entire fight started because you didn't call pass interference I, where it was obvious. I will say, Mike Evans is a real one, dude. I I laughed out loud when I saw him run on the field and just flatten Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah. It gave you shades of what he did in 2019. Now it I know Lattimore. It was, two, it was 2017, and it was... Oh, that my was, God, that it was, was that yeah. long ago. That, that, that was... This hit was harder. 
This is, I mean, this is <laughs> the beef between Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans. This is personal. Like, yeah. I, those guys are probably waiting for each other out in the parking lot after the game. I personally loved it. I, 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 I texted you that. I yeah. don't, don't let them. I, I will say, listen, like I had said at the start of the podcast, when that fight had happened, I wanted to assume the worst, like you always do when these two teams play, because whenever things erupt like that, the Bucks never come out on the top side of it. No. Ever. They never come out mentally stronger than the Saints do. It's always the Saints who end up just picking things up exactly when they need to. Like after the Bucks scored the touchdown, you and I both had the same exact thought. We're like, watch New Orleans just go ahead and, you know, march yeah. 80 yards. I was, and I score. was like, I was like, yeah, it's gonna be 10 10. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I thought this Bucks defense stepped up. I thought the fight was a nice, you know, light a fire under everybody's ass. Brady was right there in the middle of it. So luckily Mike ran in when he did. And I mean, Mike Evans is a real one. He's always going to stick up for his quarterback. Yeah, yeah, that was um, that that was good to see. Yeah, don't let them don't let them push you around. It yeah. really sucks because like, no, they didn't need it. Like they couldn't really afford no, to you, lose you, their you, number and, one wide receiver. Yeah, I don't, and you don't want to see that again this season, right? <laughs> you, you don't, you know, because I I think Mike Evans is not going to be available versus Green Bay next week. He's probably going to get suspended. In which case, I think Marshall Lattimore better get suspended because if Mike Evans is, Marshall Lattimore should be. And the reason I give that example, and some people were like, no, like why would he get suspended? He didn't throw a punch. In 2017, when he laid that hit on Marshall Lattimore, the next week he was suspended. Mike Evans got suspended. So he's been suspended for that before. You don't have to throw a punch. So I think Mike Evans is going to be suspended a game. I think Mar- if Mike Evans is suspended, so should Marshawn Lattimore. They were both ejected from the game. Um, and I just don't see if you're going to suspend one guy. I, that We don't have that confirmed or anything. But if you're going to suspend one guy, I don't see how you can suspend, can't suspend the other. When they have that rematch in Tampa later this year, they might need some oh. extra security on hand because those refs were struggling to really break those guys up, especially once the bench is cleared. There were a lot of guys out there getting physical. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was there was a lot, and I actually thought, yeah, I thought it was like, oh my god, it's just this is gonna be the entire the rest of the game. I was like, after every whistle, you know, um, if there were two other guys that I would say, I was like, ooh, like watch it. It was Marcus May and Leonard Fournette. Those were the two others that were really involved. Um, in that scrum, but I mean, it hurt the Saints because while the Bucks, I mean, it hurt the Bucks worse because the Bucks were already without Godwin and Jones, but it hurt the Saints because there goes their number one corner. You know, like the, there goes their number one corner. They were already down pulsing the Debo. That's their number two corner. So I think that hurt. And it, it worked in the Bucks' favor. Me and my dad were talking, and, and we talk a lot about hockey and everything. And when you fight in hockey. The fight's going to go one or two ways. It's gonna either going to energize that team's bench or it's going to energize your bench. It's going to energize somebody. And you just hope that it's on your side. And for, in this case, it energized the Bucks. The Saints seemed like they were defeated after that. Like, I would, I don't know the exact timestamp of the fight, like, during the game, like, when it was. But after that, the Bucks dominated. Hey. Hey. Sometimes. Sometimes you just got to punch a motherfucker in the mouth. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just got to tussle, man. Sometimes Sometimes. you just got to bring it to them. I I mean, I know that hindsight's always 20-20, and if the Bucs had lost this game, we'd be sitting here talking about how, oh, Mike Evans may have hurt his team. But in the long run, I think everybody needed that. I think it was everything that had boiled over from the first half of that football game. Everybody got some aggression out. It always happens when these two teams play. There is no – I mean, there there is – there's a lot of history of these two teams getting chippy is what I'm trying to oh, say. So yeah. 
With that being said, the Buccaneers win the mental battle and they take this one to advance to 2 and 0. Hey, shout out our guy Ryan Suckup, who Suck leads the Tampa Suck. Bay Buccaneers in scoring. Yeah, Suckup doesn't suck. Suck. Ice cold. He, I mean, he's he, a goddamn I mean, really, man. Yeah, he, he's the MVP. They would be 0 2 without this guy. He made two kicks today, was two for two on field goals, both of them over 45 yards. So longer as far as his range goes. Yeah. Well, but they were at, money. The, at the end, at the end, they were I know they were doing a delay a game. But yeah. I was like, can you not yeah. try a 55? 50, field goal as soon as I saw 55 <laughs> yards, they, they took the delay a game, take them back five yards, let them, you know, pin them deep on the punt. But I was like, oh, I, no, yeah. let's not do yeah. this. <laughs> no, I didn't have a great feeling about that either. I thought they got iced at first, but. Hey, it is what it is, man. Suck up in there. He won that kicking job from Jose Borgales. And over these first two weeks of the season, he has showed why he won that kicking job. Missed the one yeah. against Dallas, but you can't really be yeah, mad at him for he it. He can't. Michael Jordan didn't make every shot. He's <laughs> He's been playing in Tampa long enough where you have a good idea of his range. Right around 50 yards is when things About get 50. shaky. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, we can certainly count on number three, and he came up big time today. Anything inside of 50, you're pretty confident. Our buddy G Vegas, the moderator, holding it down in chat says, uh, speaking of special teams, I think the rookie Jake Camarda is punting well this season, and it seems to get off. uh, He seems to get it off quicker than he did last week. He did. Got hit a few times. He's going to be sore by the end of the season because he and that's a knock on him. He holds the ball longer. He he ended up on the ground two or three times a day that I had noticed. And last week it was three or four times. Yeah, he's gonna be sore. Um, so yeah, but he he's been doing a good job of pinning them. And again, I think when you're looking at the preseason, we were all so worried about this team's special teams units, and they've just silenced us right now. Like they have just completely silenced us. Obviously, the part return and kicker turn didn't really have many opportunities for a kicker turn because the Saints didn't score much. But Jalen Darden had a shifty little return yeah, for I think 15 yeah. yards on a punt. Yeah. Whatever that that works, you know, like th- that works. Um, yeah, like he looks competent, like the, you know, the, and the special teams look competent. They look like a normal special teams unit. Even when uh, I think his name is Justin Hardy. Even when Justin Hardy was receiving the kickoffs or punts, and he would get there, he'd only get ten yards or so. It wouldn't turn into 20, 25 yards. Um, that's a big difference, and it's a big difference in field position. So yeah, the special teams. I think that's one where we should look back at the preseason and be like, yeah, kind of overreact to that a bit because it's not as bad as as we thought. So, uh, so is this Bradley Pinion's fault? <laughs> uh, <laughs> now that we are two games out of the People's Champ era, can we confirm that maybe some of the uh, special team punting woes were on him, or, I or are we overthinking confirm, it? I cannot confirm, nor deny that it was his fault. He's a division uh, rival now. Yeah, but we also have a pers- we have a bias towards him, so. If I don't Bradley, know. He hasn't, he hasn't, te- he hasn't listen, texted me back. Listen, listen. If if you want to come on here and defend yourself, come on, you have an open invitation on here. You do. Falcons week is coming up in a few weeks. You can come on for that preview if you want. I can just trash your team, you know, and just say how terrible they are while you sit there. And I'll be like, man, Bradley, yeah, your legs going to be used up a lot because you're going to be punting a lot, you know. And and we can talk about it if you want. The open, The invitation is yours, my friend. The ball is in your court. So looking ahead for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team, I, I want to make a few more comments about the offense here before we start to wrap things up. Um, 
Uh, I mean, that's I, that's just the whole mood for the yeah. I, I know. The well, it, there's um, so much. I feel like there's so much ground to cover because one is that I don't feel like this is going to be a constant thing. I, I don't think we're going to see any other teams outside of New Orleans that hold the Buccaneers to potentially zero touchdowns and on the day. frustrate Tom Brady the way they have. Right. I mean, that's the formula that New Orleans has had for long enough. Coming into this game, the Buccaneers were 0-7 in their last seven games. They've had the formula to beat the Bucs for a long time since before Brady got haven't here. Beaten them. Haven't beaten them in a regular season in four years. I know. Literally four, four years, years this week. Four, four years year. this it week. Was, it was September 9th, 2018. Week one. Like, like that is remarkable. That is seriously remarkable. The and the losses, the losses haven't even been close. Like, a lot of the losses, they're not even, like, normal losses. And it's, yeah, it's, you know, every victory is good. Um, these wins are, you know, hard to come by, but it's better when it's a game like this, especially a division opponent on the road. That's a tough game to win. You know, missing the guys you did that showed the resilience that this team has. So on the offensive side of the ball, who do we point the finger at this week? Are we looking at the offensive play calling? Are we looking at the execution? I know we've praised certain parts of the game. You know, Brady did what he could. The offensive line held up a lot better than most of us thought they would. So could we, could we chum this up to, you know, same old shit when the Bucks play New Orleans, they usually get held on offense. Or do you think maybe there was one thing that outweighed everything else that that attributed to lack of success moving the ball this week? Well, uh, the thing I would say, if they played better versus Dallas, uh, I would say yes, it's just New Orleans, but they left some things to be desired versus Dallas as well. They scored 19 points and now 20 points, so you need to be better. Like, and I think that is play calling and execution. I think that's, that's always been uh play calling and execution um, because you can have a good play. If the players don't execute, it don't matter. Or you could, you know, just have dumb play calls that don't make any sense. And I think the bucks had a little bit of both today, the fourth and one, it's a okay play call again. And the decision to go for it on fourth and one was uh, the right one to me. You know, you'd be aggressive at certain points. We talked about Todd Bowles, you know, team kind of being a little bit passive there. You were aggressive. The execution was just terrible. You know, Luke get missed the block. He really didn't know what his assignment was. Um, you know, the execution overall was terrible. Scotty Miller, people wanted him cut throughout the game because he just he couldn't do anything right. It's one he can't stay up on the ground. You need to stay up on your two feet, my man. Because like he just it seems like he's running so fast that like he can't he can't walk. when he goes to he slow down, he loses his balance. Yeah, like I, I don't know what was going on. Um, so that's execution. Uh Brashad Perryman on that third down play uh, when the Bucks just threw it, which I didn't love. Um, that's execution. There, there's some things, you know, the, the fumble, that's execution. It, it, to me, it boils down to executing more than play calling. Uh, you need to execute better, and I think they will. I don't have many. Uh, I have, Let's just say this. I have more concerns about this offense long-term play calling-wise and philosophy-wise than I do execution-wise. I think the execution will get better. I just hope that the play calling gets a little bit different. I agree. And because we've seen them do it before. Statistically, they are usually a top 10 offense in the NFL as far as effectiveness goes. Tom Brady led the NFL in all the passing categories last year. He threw damn near 40 touchdowns his first year in Tampa Bay. He was very productive. He has been productive. And if you have to rely on Brady to throw the ball 30 to 40 times a game, you can certainly do it. It's just not their main goal this year. So how will that affect them in the long run? We have to wait and find out. 
but it'll certainly be interesting to see because these guys can do it. There are playmakers all over this offense, especially when everyone is healthy. One more thought about this game. I got to tell you, a lot of people had a lot of things to say about it, but I kind of liked seeing Bruce Arians talking shit on the sidelines. Like they sh- they showed a they showed a clip of him over there, and they're like, "Oh, look at Bruce Arians out there still on the sidelines for Tampa Bay," and he is just still yelling at officials. and And there's nothing else I'd want him to do down there if he's going to be down there on the sideline. But Jason Light, Bruce Arians, no strangers to the Buck sidelines, uh, especially this year. It's like having two head coaches, basically. Yeah. You know, Todd Bowles, he isn't the type to... No, I mean, he did, though, on the one. Uh, it was, I think, the Levante David, the penalty. Uh, when the refs were explaining it to him, Bowles got a little animated there. He got pretty angry. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun to see. It was, it was fun to see. You just hope that doesn't result in any penalties. Obviously, keep your cool. Don't go on the field, stuff like that. Like, you know, there's limits to that. But, uh, yeah, it, it's fun to see him still kind of involved in that way. And, you know, he, yeah, he still misses coaching. If Brady didn't come back, he was going to be the coach. You know, he said that. He said he just wanted Todd Bowles to have a shot with Brady. But, uh, yeah, there's still, obviously, there's still a coach in there. And, um, yeah, you saw that with that. <laughs> you definitely did. Final thoughts on this week two matchup, Evan. What are some of the biggest takeaways you have from this one and uh, some of the things you're going to be looking a little bit closer at as they are back at home next week for the home opener against Aaron Rodgers at Green Bay? Yeah, obviously you want the defense to continue uh, its streak here. Uh, So you have the best quarterback so far on your schedule that has come up in Aaron Rodgers here. So you're going to need to play. You're going to need to play good. You're going to need to play disciplined. They've played pretty disciplined football so far. I know the fight obviously kind of takes that out, but um, they've played pretty disciplined as far as penalties during the games, you know, the holdings, the pass interferences, the offsides, they've been pretty good with that. And, and you just hope that continues against the Packers team who, um, you know, I think isn't as good as years past, but I still think it's one of the better teams, in the NFC, and it's not going to be easy. Uh, I actually think like, you know, it, to me, the, the, this, when you looked at the first four games, it went easiest to hardest, the Cowboys saints, Packers probably well maybe you might have to switch Packers and Saints just because of the mentality thing but um and that being in New Orleans but I would say you know Cowboys Packers Saints Chiefs in terms of difficulty uh, I think the Chiefs are the best team on that that list uh but you know as far as you know playing Green Bay you've had Aaron Rodgers number the last two times you played him hope you can go for three but I think eventually like this offense is gonna need to start playing better um, you know, Brady, I think is, has been fine. There's been some stuff in the chat that he's not been good. That's just wrong. Just watch the game, I guess. Um, but Brady's been fine. He's done his job. Um, you know, I think the offensive velocity does need to be tweaked. You don't have to change it completely. If you want to run the ball more, run the ball more, but all, all the first down runs, the the lack of play action, like you don't the reason you should be running that much on first down is to set up play action. And you don't even do that. So uh, I think they need to be better that way. And that that's really what I'm looking forward to, but uh, it's two and zero. Oh. 2-0 and is 2-0, and and now you have a lead in the division. You finally got the monkey off your back in New Orleans. We'll see if you can, you know, beat them in, in Tampa, which is another bugaboo you've had uh, later on in the year, but we'll get to that when you get to it. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought that, like I said, this team has played complimentary football, and 
the only my only concern is that against these really good quarterbacks and these really good offenses, you won't be able to always do that. So um, that's pretty much it. And the final thought is just you know just just eating, you know, just eating. That's we're just gonna all. we're gonna eat one, man. We're gonna eat a W on this beautiful week two Sunday. Looking ahead at the Buccaneers' schedule, as you had alluded to, Aaron Rodgers coming to town next week. So obviously, could mix some things up as far as you know hiring the pace on the offensive side of the ball because I know it hasn't been an offensive explosion for Green Bay because he he doesn't have a lot of great receivers, but he can still make you pay. He's a talented quarterback, and the Bucks defense has to be prepared. But I would say... Whether you want to disagree with it or not, he's a back-to-back MVP for a reason. Like, he's not bad. It is fair. <laughs> I mean, if we get Perk Rodgers coming in this week, it could be a long day. Watch but <laughs> I will say the same thing about Aaron Rodgers coming to Tampa Bay. He never plays well in Florida. He has not played well against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the last two years, and that could very well be the case. I almost expect the defense to play well this week more than I do against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and obviously that'll come when we talk about it. But for right now, the Buccaneers defense is legit. Look to carry that momentum into next week at the home opener. And uh, hopefully the offense can produce a little more fireworks next week as they face a potentially potent quarterback who can put points on the board. Bucks were down 10 to nothing before Jamel Dean came up clutch with his pick six. And then another interception shortly thereafter back in that regular season game week six, I believe, of 2020. By the two guys who had picks today, Jamel Dean and Mike Edwards. Look at that. Ladies and gentlemen. With all that being said, that's just about going to do it for today's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Big shout out to our live audience. We truly appreciate everybody stopping by in the live chat. Bucks time 12, Vincent Wright, JT, Sean Proctor, Mike S, Corey Fleming, Wishing B, Eddie Nash, G Vegas, the moderator, of course, holding it down. Harvinder Sania, I think I said that correctly. Dave Rubin and anybody else that I may have missed. We truly appreciate you guys. Support, uh, subscribe to the channel if you have not already. Plenty of great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. And uh, we try to put out some stuff as, as much as we can. I mean, we're doing three full podcasts a week. We are officially back to our regular schedule. Most of our OGs know that by now. But you can expect a show later on this week with former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Sean King. We'll get his two cents on the game against New Orleans. And, of course, we'll preview a little bit of the Green Bay game. Maybe we'll get you an injury update on guys like Josh Wells and Akeem Hicks. But stay tuned to find that out. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show and, of course, Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of box news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What you got cooking this week? Uh, yeah, so it should be out either tonight since it's a 1 p.m. game or tomorrow at the latest but going to be looking at like i said the books uh, nation.com staff makes their predictions for each week uh so what i do is after the game i'll go in and i'll see the predictions and then i'll review the predictions so see if they were way off or if they were on the money so my prediction last week was joe tron showing two sacks he didn't get any of that uh, so i was way off this week i was a little bit closer not quite there but i said devin white was going to have two sacks he he had one so i was i was close but but no cigar so i go in and i, I review each of our staff's picks and, and see how they did and just do like a little recap of how that player's day was or how that unit's day was so be on the lookout for that soon last but not least you can find myself instagram and twitter at reticus r-h-e-t-t-a-k-u-s if you follow me i will follow you back ladies and gentlemen that's the show 
We'll talk to you later on this week for the Mailbag Show with Sean King. I'm your host, Rhett Matthew, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.